Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. John Bolton, former national security advisor to President Trump, wrote a book. That book, called The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir, offers a portrait of President Trump as an erratic and ignorant leader who often places his own personal whims above the national interest. But whether Americans will get to read that book is the subject of an escalating legal battle between Bolton and the Justice Department. The White House says the book contains classified material. Bolton's attorney says the book doesn't and that the material underwent a rigorous government review process. First, on Tuesday, the administration filed a civil lawsuit against Bolton, a conservative who's worked in Republican administrations for decades and was a longtime contributor to Fox News. Then, late Wednesday, things escalated when the Justice Department sought an emergency order from a judge to block the book's publication altogether. The Washington Post, meanwhile, obtained a copy of Bolton's memoir. So, on this episode, we'll tell you what's in it, what the fallout has looked like thus far, and whether it will have much political influence as we get closer to the 2020 presidential election. This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. White House reporter Josh Dossie read Bolton's memoir and wrote about it for The Post. So we'll get into the details of the book in a second, but can you just lay out the top line takeaway of Bolton's book? What kind of picture does it paint of President Trump and his administration? It paints a very damning one. It paints a, a portrait of a president who is stunningly uninformed in his words, is erratic, is determined to use foreign policy decisions for his own domestic political calculations, who does not understand in Bolton's telling how other foreign dictators work and how foreign leaders work, which in turn makes him easily manipulated by them. The book is an astonishing read in a sense. Almost every page brings some new revelation or some new meeting or something that just paints a president in a very negative and over the course of this show, we've covered details of various inside the White House books that have been published since Trump's presidency started. Why is Bolton's book so notable? Why is this particular book perhaps a bigger deal than some of the other books that have come out of the Trump White House? Well, it's the first book from a high-level national security official who was actually inside the White House. He was his top national security advisor for 18 months. He's someone who has been a Fox News contributor for decades, has worked in several different White Houses, is seen by Republicans as kind of a foreign policy wise man of, of sorts. So it's someone who has some intellectual uh, bona fides to discuss what he saw and was someone who, frankly, as the title says, was often in the room where it happened. He often can describe exactly what the president said. He took copious notes. It's a first insider tell-all from this White House from a senior level official that just brings so much vivid scenery to the presidency. And how did Bolton come to be President Trump's national security advisor? How did he find himself in that position? Well, the president was frustrated with H.R. McMaster, his former national security advisor, for being too didactic, being too professorial. He, he basically soured on him. And instead, he brought in Bolton. The president liked John Bolton on television. He thought he was a strong commentator on Fox News. And 
He suddenly decided to fire McMaster and hire Bolton after several brief meetings in the White House in 2018. So then generally, what was Bolton's tenure like while he worked there? Did he get along well with other advisors, with the president? What was what was his time there like? John Bolton was not particularly well-liked by many of his other advisors. He took a more hawkish view on foreign policy. The president frequently joked that John Bolton wanted to quote-unquote bomb everybody. He was not the most popular man in the West Wing. And because of that, you will have, I think, a number of officials in the next few days who are more than willing to come out and scorch John Bolton for his book and for his telling of what happened. And what were the circumstances of Bolton's departure from the White House? When did he leave and, and why? He left in September 2019 after a cascading series of fights with the president over foreign policy from complaints from other advisors that he was leaking to the news media, particularly amid disputes with Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, Secretary of State Pompeo, and former Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney. He had a fairly rocky tenure because he was viewed as an acerbic personality whose foreign policy views did not necessarily align with the president's. Now that we've gone over what Bolton's time in the White House was like, Let's talk more about the details of the book. How does the book convey that those around Trump viewed the president? How do the advisors to the president see him according to this book? One of the more startling revelations in the book is a negative view that Bolton says that Mike Pompeo has of many of the president's decisions and how he makes him. He also depicts uh, former Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, former Chief of Staff John Kelly, a number of military officials as frequently exasperated by Trump, stunned at his amorality in Bolton's words, and, and frustrated by working in a White House that he says is often, you know, rife with infighting and vitriolic behavior and kind of serpents, people going after each other in all sorts of backhanded ways. The book also captures some shocking statements made by Trump throughout Bolton's time working with him. What were some of the most notable statements Bolton attributes to Trump? He says that the president thought it would be, quote unquote, cool to invade Venezuela. He says the president wants to execute scumbag journalists. He says that the president asked his advisors if Finland was part of Russia. He says the president asked if the UK was a nuclear power or not. Now, there's a stunning array of statements that he claims the president made uh, that show, in Bolton's words, a, a just lack of familiarity with how the government should work. He says stunningly uninformed. One major anecdote from the book involves a conversation between Trump and President Xi Jinping of China at a dinner last year. What does the book allege happened in that interaction? He says that in June 2019 in Osaka, they start talking about domestic political issues in the United States, and the president says to him that he really wants to win re-election and that buying more agricultural subsidies would help the president win re-election. He said that it was a stunning moment that the president essentially asked a foreign leader in Bolton's recollection, now to be clear, others are disputing this, to ask a foreign leader to, to help him. It was interference at, at its core, he says. And that's a version of the same charge that Democrats brought against Trump in the impeachment hearing, essentially that he was asking a foreign country for political help in the 2020 election. Correct. When he says when it comes to impeachment, he substantiates what the Democrats said about impeachment, that the president was holding up the money to try and get political assistance from the Ukrainians. That he was furious with the Ukrainians because he thought they had hurt him in, in 2016. And the decisions were not about national security matters, but were about his own domestic political concerns. Obviously, you have a lot of Democrats who are quite frustrated that John Bolton did not testify during the impeachment trial. You had Adam Schiff yesterday say John Bolton's not a patriot for saving this information to write a lucrative book. 
I want to return to this point in a bit to understand more about why Bolton seemingly waited for his book to reveal many concerning actions of the president. But before we get there, I want to make sure we go through some of the other revelations that the book mentions, because there are quite a lot. So in part of the conversation between Xi and Trump that we're talking about, Bolton writes that Trump said China should build more camps for Uyghur Muslims who are an ethnic minority in China. Can you just explain why that's so shocking from a U.S. president? It's shocking because United States presidents have typically been a supporter of human rights, have typically stood up for human rights around the world, and have typically said that that sort of behavior would not be okay and would condemn it and would try to block it. Uh, Now, the president says in the Wall Street Journal interview he did last night that it's not true that he did not say that, but Bolton depicts it as pretty vividly that he did. And what other interactions between Trump and world leaders does Bolton describe in the book? He describes a number of interactions with Kim Jong-un, the president of North Korea. He says these were fruitless summits that the president had designed for public relations. He says that when the president started negotiating with Kim Jong-un, he wanted to give him a number of American presents to show uh, goodwill and to try and woo him. And that the officials in the administration were quite concerned because sanctions prohibited that from happening. He describes calls between the president and Vladimir Putin, where he says Vladimir Putin cited Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election to convince the president that he should support the dictator in Venezuela. And he says, remarkably, it worked. He describes calls with Saudi Arabia's uh, crown prince, and he describes a number of uh, the president's interactions with Middle East officials. Now, one particular quote from the book stood out to me. Bolton wrote, quote, I am hard pressed to identify any significant Trump decision during my tenure that wasn't driven by re-election calculations. How does Bolton really illustrate that or, or the main takeaway? Well, he says, for example, that when he's talking about the border wall and why it has to be built so quickly and why immigrants have to be stopped coming in from Mexico, he says, I got elected on this issue and now I'm going to get unelected. He says that the president wanted to get out of Afghanistan in year two instead of year three so he could blame President Obama for the war. Obviously, the Xi anecdote where he says you need to buy these agricultural products so it can help me get reelected. In numerous conversations, Bolton says the president, he, he cited his own domestic political process as a reason that he was making a foreign policy decision. So Bolton raised a lot of troubling moments throughout his tenure. But did Bolton, who had a position of power in the White House, do anything about it while serving the president? That's one of the chief criticisms of Bolton, that when he was in the White House, he does not seem on many of these occasions to have delineated his concerns to the president. He said them to others, that he did not do that during impeachment. He did not testify during impeachment. That He did not stand up at the time and, and raise some of these more shocking allegations, like the president supporting concentration camps or the president asking the Chinese to interfere. One of the criticisms you're seeing more and more from White House people and, and Trump allies is if they were this serious, why didn't he say it at the time? Why did he wait for such a expensive book deal? I mean, the hashtag that the White House is working on is book deal Bolton. They want to cast him as a provocateur who just is looking to make money and build his own brand instead of feathering national security himself. Well, then I sort of want to present that question for you. Does the book or your reporting reveal any insight into why Bolton did not testify in front of the House or did not reveal these details earlier in some fashion? He, he does not. I mean, he says in the book that he believed that the House impeachment managers and the House process was flawed and that they should have been doing a wider scope. 
But there's some great irony in that, is that he didn't want to participate, but now in retrospect, he says they should have done more. He does not really grapple with why he held these claims for so long and, until he wrote this tell-all book. And one of the kind of frustrations of the book is that he's quite critical of others. Nikki Haley, Jim Mattis, Mike Pompeo, a whole range of officials in the administration. But he never seems to grapple with the idea that maybe he wasn't perfect either. He holds himself in extreme self-regard throughout the book. I think that comes across to the reader. Now, how common is it for people who've left the White House to write disparaging accounts about the president they served while that president is still in office? I think it's fairly rare. You had Bob Gates during the Obama administration write a book that was that was fairly critical, but it didn't describe the president in this uh, negative of a light. This is an incredibly harsh portrayal of a sitting United States president four or five months before the election. You do not see this every day. And you've touched on this, but how has Trump himself responded to the allegations in the book? Very forcefully. He's come out and called Bolton uh, essentially a fraud, a liar. He says the stories aren't true. He also says he's breaking the law by releasing classified information. Curiously, the president has not delineated what he believes is false versus what he believes is classified. But there has been a full frontal assault on his credibility already, and you can see that continuing to happen. One of the things we will be watching for closely is whether DOJ tries to take any criminal action for disclosing what the administration says as classified material. I want to break that down a little bit. So whether or not this book will actually be released is a point of legal contention at the moment, as you mentioned. Its release date is supposed to be June 23rd, but on Tuesday, the Justice Department filed a lawsuit to block the publication of the book, saying that it contains classified material. So what do we know at this point about the details of that suit? We know that it is likely to be decided in the upcoming days uh, whether there's an injunction or not. We know that Bolton says he fully adhered to the classification review process, spent hundreds of hours meeting with NSC and intelligence officials to take out classified material for his book. He says he was told that he had taken all the classified material out. The White House obviously says otherwise. It's actually kind of funny to be having the argument at this point, though, because so many of the allegations are already publicly out. The book has been shipped, you know, across the country. It's, it's hard to imagine that they can really put uh, the proverbial uh, cat back in the bag. Right. And and just to clarify, there was the initial civil suit Tuesday from the Justice Department against Bolton. And then just Wednesday night, the Justice Department sought an emergency order from a judge to block the publication of the book. So that's a pretty big escalation. This book has been in the work for months. That's been widely reported. So why an emergency order like this at the last minute? Well, the emergency order now at the, at the last minute is the president's frustration with learning what all is in the book. I mean, the White House has had the book for some time, and the president has said that John Bolton should not publish it, that he's, he's quote-unquote a traitor, that he should wait until after the election. But now that it's coming out, and efforts to postpone or scuttle the book have not worked, they're going the ultimate route here. All right. My last question to you. You've been covering this administration for years. Do you expect this book and the allegations made within it to have tangible fallout politically or otherwise for the president and for this administration? Well, it's really hard to say. I mean, among the president's core supporters, I can't imagine that this book would actually change their mind. Uh, what Democrats hope is that it shows more shocking conduct that they can show to independents and to folks on the fence and folks that maybe voted for the president in 2016 but have gotten tired of him. I mean, they're really competing for a small sliver of undecided voters in the country right now. And whether this affects any of their thinking on its own is unclear. You do wonder if a series of events, how the president handled the protest 
protests, how the president handled coronavirus, now how John Bolton is saying he handled national security, rebukes from Jim Mattis, or public comments from former advisors. You could see a scenario where those things all coupled together could maybe turn, you know, a voter off. But it's hard to imagine that one book from John Bolton is going to substantively swing the election. All right, Josh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? If you like this, do us a favor and share it. Thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by Ariel Plotnick with logo art from Loren Boglio and theme music by Ted Muldoon. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters? And why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat. Available now. Available now.